Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. I just needed to give it a few more measures. <laughs> Let it play out. Yeah, there's just the type of, of weeks we are all enduring. People, we, are, people are getting tense out there, you know. it's. We just need a little more of... <laughs> <laughs> a little more chill. Oh, welcome to another edition of All Things Florida with Dr. Ed Moore. I'm Preston Scott. I'm I'm not kidding, and I know you aren't either. No, no, no. A little less shrill and a little more chill. That's uh, my new motto. How's that? Well, look <laughs> at you. Uh, we be chilling. It really is a phenomenal time. I was reflecting with a buddy this week. There's never been another time like this in my 60 years. Oh, no. Well, 68 comes close. You know, the, but 68 didn't have COVID-19. Well, yeah, we did. We had a pandemic in, in that time frame, uh, but it didn't have 24-7 news cycles and social media. And it didn't shut media. down the, the economy. Yeah, yeah. But, but people died, and it was you know a pandemic that went across the world. And it was uh, – but we just – we. Even when the world was on fire in 1968, most people were kind of like, "Yeah, you know, I got to go to the beach." You know, I mean, it was it was sort of the the binary perspective of life. It's like, well, yeah, I know the Chicago's having a lot of problems and DC's having a lot of problems, but I'm not having any problems. I'm cool. You know, nowadays everybody's having problems. You are still reigning over the reset committee reigning yeah you're, you're <laughs> no. the you're you're the king no you're, it's no no yes you are <laughs> it's more of coordinating ah yeah. you're the king i'm not a maestro you're the I'm, monarch yeah. you, you are the the monarch of it no, all no. It's, it's like i'm not a maestro i'm the guy who sets up the chairs in the orchestra that's okay know. well for those that don't know what in the world we're talking about Explain reset and what you're doing now. Yeah, a, a group of uh, led by Associated Industries of Florida, the Florida uh, Restaurant Lodging Association, NFIB, and the Florida Retail Federation. Those four very large groups came together and said, you know, we need to take a hard look at what needs to be done here in Florida moving forward. And also, if we were to have something like this happen again, if and, and at that point in time when it was formed. Uh, you know, there was a constant discussion of, well, COVID will kind of fade, but boy, it's going to come back and second wave and it's going to be worse than now. I mean, you know, we're in those kind of times where nobody really knows. Right. So what we've got is a group of over 125 uh, individuals or organizations, employers across Florida, taking a hard look at a, a vast array of issues that 
would enable Florida, what can we do to do this better the next time? And that's basically where we are. What kind of changes in law, rules, regulations? Uh, what uh, just a one, one guy gave a tremendous uh, example. He talked about the beer industry, for example, when all the bars get shut down. And I think I may have mentioned this before. When all the bars get shut down in Florida, well, the breweries have still been producing a lot of beer. And there's the beer sitting there. And there's no uh, concierge-type role of the government to go, what do you do with all your beer? I mean, you just can't go pour it down the drain. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah, those kinds of issues is how how to deal in the broader sense with when we do have a shutdown or when there's an emergency, a, a statewide emergency, what happens to business across the state? And when we talk about business, people who think, oh, it's a big business. No, these are employers with hundreds of thousands of employees. This means jobs for Florida. How do you react? What do you do? What is it, what's the role of the government uh, versus the role of the independent entrepreneur or business and trying to make decisions. Uh, it's it's pretty broad. Uh, we're going to try to narrow it down to give the legislature a, uh, a list of uh, items that we think uh, as a group, uh, I'm, I'm more the uh, writer, collector, you know, put it in a usable you kill, form. You collate all the info, huh? Yes, yes. So, when do you expect to have something to hand to the government? Uh, probably by the end of September, we'll have a full report available. And uh, you know, obviously, the legislature doesn't come back for a while, so we've got a little bit of time on that. But our goal is to have, by the end of September, have a full report uh, ready for the state to look at and for businesses to use as well. My my worst fears have been realized. COVID-19 has become a perpetual problem. It didn't die away it didn't stop it was delayed in my opinion now we're going to have to talk about this on the other side of the break because this is too big to digest in a minute are you confident that we are getting an accurate portrayal in the numbers that are being released oh they're they're confusing and and because you've got so many people reporting or organizations reporting if you had only like two labs reporting numbers You'd have a little bit better handle on what what the numbers really are. When you have hundred you know hundred labs reporting, uh, the numbers come in bad. And a lot of the smaller labs, uh, what what's turned out, people made an issue of that this past week, saying, uh, "Wait, hundred percent of the people that got tested had COVID." And you know, out of four hundred and forty four, yeah, but they didn't report the negatives. What what it's turned out, if the first reaction was, "Oh, that's impossible," or somebody's cooking the numbers. It turns out they just didn't weren't they were just reporting the positives and the the negatives or the number of tests weren't being reported. That kind of skews, but it puts in the in the citizen's mind, hey, something's wrong here. We're not that bad. It's still about or that their tests aren't reliable. Yeah, but it's still only about one and a half to two percent of the population that will test positive at this point in time. But two percent of twenty two million people is a lot of people. You right. Know, so that that's where you get into how you use numbers. If you use a percentage, it doesn't sound that bad. Back with more. Well, at least the music sounds happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Just dismayed. Befuddled. That was the word of the week, right? Befuddled. Befuddled, yes. And I'm not being persnickety either. Do you sense when you are out and about 
the angst that uh, everybody's feeling? Not so much. Really? I mean, yeah. I've got a little place I frequent, a bagel shop here in Tallahassee in the mornings, and you watch people coming and going, and uh, people are smiling and talking to each other. How do you and, know? Because uh, they, they... Their cheeks? They do the one-ear thing. You, know, or you can see it in their eyes, but they also okay. they do okay. the one-ear thing so that you know who they are. I mean, I've had people that know me, and I'm looking at them going, I think I know that person. And then they walk up and go, it's me. <laughs> and uh, But generally, I mean, people are optimistic. Americans by nature, I think, are want to be optimistic. It's getting harder. Uh, I'm, I'm generally a pretty optimistic person. I look try to look for the best in situations, but it's getting hard. You know, you're carrying a heavier load these days. Places I frequent don't seem to have so many happy people there. <laughs> well, you got to go to better places. <laughs> well, you could put it that way, or you could say that I'm getting a different slice of, of where we are right now. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, going back to where we were, which is talking about the COVID numbers, I think people are remarkably frustrated on on either side, whether you are uh, of the mindset that this is really something we have to be concerned and fearful of, or now it's a lot to do about something that has a degree of inevitability to it. No matter where you are in that argument, there's still this unease. Um, I mean, you start, you're seeing more and more people in Florida breaking out into fights and pulling guns and all these unfortunate encounters over whether someone's wearing a mask or not. Well, I have a solution to that, though, is to turn off your TVs. You know, if you're going to watch the news, watch an hour's worth of it instead of four hours worth of it and go read a book. I mean, I've I've read in the last 10 days, maybe I've read five books uh, and I'm enjoying the heck out of that. Mm Mm-hmm. It's quiet, you can read, you enjoy it, and you don't have all that negativity bouncing off of you. I would I I'll I'll be a little contrarian here and say I don't think most people are at a place in their life that you are and they don't have that option. Hmm? Well, would that be fair? I don't know. I don't know where other people are. I know where I am. I'm busy as heck, but when I have me time, right. I spend a lot of me time reading. Okay. But I always have. So that's just who I am. I think the COVID numbers, I think they become problematic when it sort of ties back to something. I had a long conversation with the governor's office this week, and it's I'm not going to tell anything that's, you know, inside baseball here. I just expressed my concern that early on the decision was made to release aggregate numbers. And I think aggregate numbers have been really, really a poor choice. Yeah. Because but it that's just a, that's nationwide, though. I mean, but yeah. but yeah. but we didn't have to follow that. Right. Yeah. It was our choice inside the state, and I think Florida has been hindered by that. Those aggregate numbers because they filtered down into local, and you look at it and you go, "Oh my gosh, look at all these cases." When okay, but the numbers now are this. Oh, is what I get over and over again. Yeah. You, well, and it's hard to ascertain what the cured or over it numbers are and so we get the aggregate everybody that's ever had it over five months well if if the duration of it if you're lucky and you get it and you have a short duration now some people are sick for a very very long time but you don't know that so when you see for florida 301,000 and people have it they don't have it today they've had it 
Or, you know, well, so I it, just, it does tend to distort it. Uh, I look at what if we took the same approach with everything else? Yeah. People that have had cancer or died in car wrecks or whatever you know and if we did people would really be upset yeah <laughs> and scary well, uh, i kind of we were chatting about this earlier I, you, people have to understand that uh, when you're in an elected high level ex- elected position like the governor is uh your days are long and your weeks are long and you don't get any time off to relax particularly in a crisis like this and yeah. I, I, I tend to cut them a little bit of slack mm-hmm. uh, uh, if you think about it, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, between the campaign leading up to being elected, where he was putting in 18-hour days, and then he started, I mean, the first six months of office were like nothing anybody had ever seen before. and then, But it never stopped. You know, you kind of think, well, I'll get a break or I'll get to take three or four days off. The man is working really hard. So when he stumbles every now and then or he says something just off the top of his head, I just encourage people to just relax a little bit and just look at the bigger picture on these things. Now, of course, with the president, he says goofy things all the time. That's his personality. But you know, this is a very serious governor that's taking all of this very serious, and he and his team are working really hard. I, you know, I'm, I'm not that critical. If I were to pick what I think is the most significant story of the week inside our state, mm-hmm. it would be that Disney opened. Yeah, In the face of the pushback on the social media platforms, in the face of rising numbers inside the Sunshine State, they opened. Now, if you and I were to assign a political philosophy to Disney's hierarchy, I think we would agree that it's left. Oh, very much so now, yeah. And so the fact that they opened in the face of this type of criticism was shocking to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Here's my interpretation of it, and I want to get yours. Mine is 37% of the company's revenue is based on that segment of their business portfolio, their parks, right. their hotels, their restaurants, their what they do. I think it was the message, we have to open. How did you take it? I just took it as a great sign for Florida. I, you know, I, I pray daily that this works, you know, that, that uh, Disney opening doesn't start huge outbreaks and, you know, and then it gets tied back to them if they were doing the tracing that they've talked about doing. Uh, it, it's critical for our state, huge amounts. When you talk about 37% of Disney's revenue, huge amounts of Central Florida operate everything about the place is driven by those theme parks being open. That's the rock and the small puddle. It is. And then beyond that, the general revenue for the state of Florida. All you think about everything the state does, every social service, prisons, whatever, schools, is driven by, in large part, by the revenue that's generated by that kind of operation in tourism. And if we can't get tourism back in Florida, we're going to be in trouble. I and mean, if we stay at this level we're at right now for the long term, well, you're going to see a lot of stuff getting shut down. We can't afford that. Is there any chance, given the way the politics has kind of taken over the COVID-19 storyline yeah, to a large extent, yeah. but it has happened. Is there any way that's, that a company like Disney sort of forces the hand of other governments locally across the state to say, we might need to look at opening things up to let businesses 
have their decision-making process on their own. Yeah, and if anything, they provide a model for how to do it right. And then I think they've taken great pains to open correctly. And, you know, if you go in and probably touch a rail in there, there's probably somebody walking right behind you wiping the rail off. I mean, Dopey. <laughs> <laughs> guy in a costume, you know, <laughs> follows everybody around. <laughs> it's Dopey. Yeah. They talked him into it without any problem. It's, it's your job. You got a job now, Dopey. <laughs> but that's the way it is. Uh, you know, it, but it, you mentioned political. It's become so political. I mean, just if you look at the relationship between Florida and New York as an example, and how the media distorts a lot of this. They're making out like Florida is pandemic central and we're you know we're on fire. Of course. But if you look at the real numbers, it's crazy. New York has had eight times the deaths from COVID than Florida has. Eight Even times. with the uptick. Even with the uptick. Eight times the deaths. They've had 128,000 more cases of positive than Florida. And yet you watch the night. That's why I say turn the TV off because it's such a distorted view of what's really going on out there. It's crazy. I just think that we have to, you know, it'll be something that I talk about in my one big thing, if time allows. And it's that I think we've lost sight of the number of people that are hurting right now from loss of job, loss of income or dramatically reduced income. Yeah, and I posted the other day on social media when the third local Tallahassee restaurant announced that they were temporarily closing because of COVID, Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is a trend you're seeing. And a lot of these places, they're temporarily closing, but they won't reopen. And they're going to sit and wait. And by the time they get around to it, they won't open. Uh, Restaurants all across the state of Florida are hurting really bad. And a lot of them are just closing down. Yeah. And you're seeing some pushback. I'm down in Miami-Dade. They went back to phase one. And you're seeing some pushback by some of the political officers down there as well as that industry. They can't survive without being able to feed people. I mean, you can't be a restaurant if you don't have customers. That's where I think the mandates have hurt because businesses were recovering. And then the mandate, as opposed to, hey, we suggest the mandate has dropped businesses i've talked to restaurateurs it's cut it back down to 25 percent of what it was it seems to be but I, I don't know that i would blame it's sort of like blaming the the medicine for the illness the numbers but see i don't think it is the medicine the, the numbers rose up okay and and that was the reaction to it is well you guys all need to mask now the governor has not ordered a statewide mandate and i don't think you'll see that coming uh it remains to be seen i keep saying we know so little about all of this, and we're learning as we go. Um, down the road, they'll be able to maybe determine, does the mask really matter or not matter? Right now, it's become well, political. We, it's we, a political we, idea. rather. Than I mean, a, we're three weeks into it where you and I call home, and it would be hard to say that it's made a difference based on the caseloads. You can't prove a negative, though. That's Exactly, the, uh, but you can't prove it no matter what you no, do. That's the problem. Maybe it would have been twice as bad if we had masks, or maybe it didn't make a difference at all. Who knows? And that, I always defer on the side of let's let businesses make the decision on their own. Yeah, you know, no, no shirt, no shoes, no service, no mask. Let you know. them decide. Yeah. When we come back, uh, after the news, Jimmy Doolittle inside our Florida history segment with Dr. Ed Moore. I'm Preston Scott, and you are listening to All Things Florida.
We've blown the dust off the Wayback Machine, and so we are back. And I, am I Peabody or Simon? No, I think most people that know me would argue I am definitely the dog in any room. So uh, <laughs> you, sir, are Sherman, and I am Peabody. Sherman, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Ed Moore with me. It's time to jump on the Wayback Machine and take a look at Florida history. And I know a little sidebar story, but I'm fascinated to know how you're going to connect Jimmy Doolittle. First, there's people out there that's, that are like, I know that name. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's such <laughs> the a, doctor's son, Doctor Doolittle's son, right? <laughs> it's such a great name. I mean, it's it, a great name. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't even. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Make a name like that up. Uh, Jimmy Doodle, if I were to write a book on, I actually have a book I've had since I was about six called Heroes Every Child Should Know. And, okay. if, and if I were to rewrite that, Heroes Every Child Should Know, and I often lament on this show that America doesn't have heroes anymore. We're weak on the leaders and we really don't have heroes. Jimmy Doodle is the kind of guy that you go, yeah, this, is, this guy's first rate. But uh, we all know that Florida has a huge military presence, mm-hmm. bases all over the state, and, and always have, have a history of military presence. But some of it's obvious, you see it when you drive and some of it's been highly classified. And, and early, in the early days, uh, right at the beginning, actually in preparation for World War II, there were 32 Army Air Corps pilots and 48 support personnel. Uh, that were sent to Eglin Air Force Base. And they were isolated at Eglin at, a, at Wagner Field, which is a small landing strip on, on, on that huge base, not where you'd land the giant planes and all. The entire group got isolated and were under guard. And their mission at the time was to learn how to take off and land B-25 Mitchell bombers on a 560-foot runway. Okay, this took right here in the panhandle little small runway, and they're having to land these bombers, training to land these bombers. Pretty cool. Actually, more to take off than land. It was the focus on taking off, and I'll tell you in a minute why. It's kind of interesting. The planes got stripped down. Uh, they usually had five heavy guns on right. them. They were stripped down to having only two guns on them, uh, not really capable of defending them. 
And once they all could manage uh, the ability to take off, uh, they transferred all these guys to the U.S. aircraft carrier Hornet Mm -hmm. in the Pacific. Uh, Well, Pearl Harbor occurred, and uh, soon soon after Pearl Harbor, really uh, April 18th of 1942, which is about four months after Pearl Harbor, uh, they did bombing raids in Japan. And most people really aren't aware of that because they think, well, we got whacked at Pearl Harbor and it took a long time to be able to get and do all this. Right afterwards, off of this one aircraft carrier, kind of isolated way out in the middle of nowhere, these guys all took off. They bombed Tokyo, Kobe, Yokohama, Osaka, and Nagia and kept flying. This was a one-way trip, which is why they were more interested in having them learn how to take off than land. They bombed and then went across the China Sea, and most of them crash-landed somewhere in China. A few of them had to go up to the north. That When they bombed in the north, they end up in Vladivostok and crash. Hoping not to get caught by the Japanese. Right, and the Japanese were everywhere, and they were protected. They end up losing seven of, of their crewmen, uh, but they uh, were captured by the Chinese, the locals, Mm -hmm. and shepherded back, and they all came back, and Doolittle played a a significant role. But I thought, you know, Florida's little role, I mean, you can go right here in the Panhandle and go over to Carabelle Beach, and uh, there's a museum over there about they practiced for D-Day, practiced the landings for D-Day. But this pretty significant, because the morale boost that occurred in the United States after Pearl Harbor was badly needed. And when the press was... We're bombing Japan. It not only gave us a boost, but it changed Japan's view on things. They called a number of troops back around, which enabled us, subsequent to that was the big battle of Midway, where we had our first major naval victory, because they had pulled back people. They didn't have all their people that they used to have. They thought they were untouchable. Yeah, and we showed them that they weren't. Pretty big deal. Uh, Doolittle at the time was a lieutenant colonel. He ended up becoming a full general. After he retired, they made him a full general. But I thought it was an interesting guy. The guy had a doctorate in aeronautics from MIT. Uh, he uh, he was the first person in uh, what, 1922, I believe, to fly coast to coast and left from Jacksonville Beach and ended up in San Diego. Okay. This is the early days of aviation. Sure. Right? So, uh, and then in 1929, he was the first to take off, fly, and land using only instruments where he was blocked in and couldn't see anything. He was instrumental in the development of, of instrument flight and from a, using his doctorate at MIT. Uh, just a fascinating guy, but this real story, two of, of the things that he did began right here in Florida. Fascinating stuff. Isn't that cool? Yeah. There's a, there's there there are so many amazing stories around the life of Jimmy Doolittle. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I could I could yeah. <laughs> you could talk a long time about this stuff. Fascinating guy. I mean, he was involved in the war in Africa, the war in Europe. Did this in Japan. I mean, the guy really was uh, an amazing guy. One of the big cases that uh, there are so many things that are flying under the radar between the civil unrest that's unfolding in parts of the country and really there's there are many there are not many places that are avoiding it uh to COVID-19 and I was thinking can you think of any part of your life that has been untouched by COVID-19 because I can't think of any of mine no not really no because I I mean the fact that personal relationships everything I mean yeah it, it everything's impacted by it 
as a result, there are so many things that we're just not paying attention to that are still going on. And in Florida, I think one of the most significant cases going on is the preemption law case. It's now in front of the Second Circuit Court of Appeals inside the state. Uh, last year, local uh, Leon County Circuit judge um, made a ruling, Charles Dodson, that said that um, local uh, elected officials cannot be held responsible if they pass a law preempting state law on guns, local gun ordinance. Now it's been appealed, and now we don't know what's going to happen. But your thoughts on that? Well, I've always had the view that nowadays people go, well, it's home rule. We've got home rule. Local governments are a creation of the state. I mean, the the state is the parent, basically, in all of this. And uh, if we're going to live within a state that has borders and rules and rule of law, to me, what the state does should take preeminence over over local, and that probably incensed people are incensed at the local level, but uh, they can pass laws and change what local level people do all the time. Uh, but local should not be over, able to overrule the parent, especially when it comes to something as fundamental as us 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 an amendment a, a, a right yeah it's, it's kind of it's in the bill of rights uh, no you can't have a local attitude and it, it goes to a lot of other issues the the sanctuary city kind of stuff i mean you name it local governments tend to kind of go off the rails now and then well the notion though that's been argued in front of the second circuit is that officials should not be held to the standard of knowing or willfully uh, and I'm thinking to myself, how do you pass a law locally without doing it willfully and knowingly? Yeah, well, well I, I, it, but that's absurd, isn't it? It is, uh, and yet it's probably reality based because probably a lot of them have no clue what they're doing. So, you know, you <laughs> you wouldn't do that in a court of law, but you know, if you sit through some of the meetings, you kind of scratch your head and go, what? Does does it matter the list of the cities that sign up for something like that? I'm not going to go through the list, but I'm just curious. I think it's indicative to yeah. me of what's going on inside that particular community. Yeah, it, it reflects the politics of the community, surely. Uh, but uh, I, I still think, in this case, I use the parent-child analogy, but they are creatures of the state, and I think the state should have preeminence. When we come back, we have, of course, one big thing. We have some Florida man stories, but some good ones. Yeah, positive today. Yeah. We're going to end on an upbeat. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> and, uh, and when we come back, I want to get Dr. Moore's thoughts on where we're going to go with education this year in K-12. That and more as we continue our discussions on all things Florida. With Dr. Ed Moore, I'm Preston Scott. Thanks for joining us. Stick around. we got a lot more to talk about. I'm obligated. I have to play every week at least one song <laughs> that has Pipeline or The Surf's Up or um, Gnarly Dude, Surf the Surf, <laughs> Dickie Doing the Don'ts. Something <laughs> like that has to be in the title or the name of the group doing it. <laughs> Dr. Ed Moore with me, All Things Florida, final segment. Um, boy, K-12. 
It's a dilemma. Teachers union right now appears to be in a position to, it's going to sound worse than I mean it, hold the school systems hostage. Well, it's you know, your your workforce, basically. If you don't think of them as a teacher's union, just the workforce is, is afraid. And it's in part because what you were talking about a little earlier, that you know, we're focusing on these giant numbers. And it's in Florida, about 1.5, 1.6% of the population have even tested positive. And you know, severe cases are far small out of that number. But uh, the image is, oh, my God, everybody's going to be sick. Not necessarily the case, and uh, there, you know, the ancillary damages, the the you know, collateral damages that are occurring uh, that we're not aware of, but we'll start seeing upticks in numbers. I mean, kids belong in school, and trying to figure out how to do that. Uh, There's some I saw a study yesterday, I believe, that uh, one school district did an analysis, and 20 percent of the students never even bothered to log on during the last couple of months of school. I mean, you know, you're you're you're, and they got passed. And yeah, and you're laying the seeds for down the road, heightened dropouts, more people in prisons, higher crime, all kinds of stuff, because you're just allowing people that normally, some of them would do that anyway. They go sit in a classroom and don't pay attention, but we've lost track of that. We lose track of that when normal systems aren't functioning and people need to go to work as well. I mean, schools aren't babysitters, but our whole structure is based around kids going to school and I can go to work. It, it, I, I don't think I'm crazy to suggest that we might be causing more damage far beyond anything COVID-19 could ever do to our culture. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I'm sorry, Ed. I'm I'm going to keep circling back to these mask mandates. I think they just continue to fuel the panic and the fear, and they make irrational, um, I guess, conclusions the norm. Well, I just uh, my greater fear is losing a year's worth of time, a half a year's worth of time for students across the board. If you're a bright student, yeah, you're going to do fine. I mean, well, absolutely, you, you, there'll be ways. But maybe that's the top 20% or so, uh, which leaves a huge number of students that are adrift. You can't do that. You can't, you can't not engage those people. And Florida's been well-planned. We've got Florida virtual school, and, and you know, we've got all kinds of other alternatives for students. Uh, uh, we've done a good job over the last 20 years of building alternatives but still, the vast preponderance of students are in classrooms or should be in classrooms every day. National Junior College Athletic Association pushed all of the uh, most all sports that take place in the fall to the spring. Yeah, yeah. The winter sports are going to start after the first of the year, and the spring sports are going to be pushed back and get to as close to the summer as they can get. I see the Florida High School Athletic Association, the FHSAA, either canceling the fall season altogether or doing something similar. They have an emergency meeting coming up, I think, next week. So I don't see any way in the climate we're in. I would disagree with the decision. I've disagreed with almost all of these kinds of broad decisions of you know, shutting everything down. But I don't see in the climate we're in, Ed, where they, they're going to have a choice but to cancel or severely delay all of the seasons that are about to unfold. Up 
up to the college and professional level as well. But now you're talking about another group of kids yeah. that would be reliant on that year of playing yes. to have a shot at playing and getting a scholarship in college. Yeah, And, what, and it's going to be gone. Yeah, it, well, it, they may have the, a lot of these programs will fold. I mean, that's that's the other thing no one's talking about. If you close down and at the college level, you close down false football seasons, you're going to kill sports across the board. I mean, because you know, it funds the rest of it. Eighty percent of the budget might come out of football right. that funds all those other sports. Well, if you don't have football, what do you, you know? What are you going to fund that with? So, if you had a nickel to wager right now, let's start high school mm-hmm. in Florida. Will there be seasons in the fall? I think they probably will try. And uh, what's a bigger disaster, trying and maybe making it or trying and then about halfway through going, whoops, we got to cancel. Okay. You my know. nickels that they don't. I think they're yeah. going to either cancel it or they're going to push it. Yeah. That's my wager. What about college? Uh, I think it's highly at risk at this point in time. Uh, we're, we're talking on the calendar. We're at the what, 17th or 18th of July. Uh it's right around the corner. It's not like we've got months and months to talk mm-hmm. about. This is normal summer training season for, say, college football. Right. And uh, they're ready to get really engaged starting in August. That's going to keep getting pushed back. And I think for, you first you push back, then you to start, which is what they've been doing. You talk about, well, we've got to reschedule stuff and we're going to have to play conference only. And then you start realizing, gee, conference only means, uh, say, Florida State has to this year Boston College plays here I believe but you know Boston College has to come all the way here in conference but we can't play Florida who are just two yeah, what's hours, the difference two hours down the road I mean that's what and but you can't make exceptions because then you're trying to how do you schedule exceptions uh it gets pretty wacky revenue is the bottom line though in that I mean as far as decision making and I think they will push it as far as they can to make sure that there's some kind of revenue but it's getting less and less likely. This just in, ESPN is out of games to show that we're played before. <laughs> uh, Florida man, we what's like, your Florida? We, we like history, so ESPN is good. I'll tell you what, before we segue to Florida woman, I'm going to do the Florida man story. Uh, speaking of, of sports, uh, Shaquille O'Neal stops to help a driver stranded on the Florida highway. Uh, Latchville County Sheriff, car crash on I-75. It's really a blown tire. And uh, Shaquille O'Neal showed up, uh, stopped to check on the welfare of the driver, and remained with her until the uh, officers showed up. Yeah. And uh, I honestly, no one was going to mess with that <laughs> that that woman waiting with Shaq there. He's a big man. He's an know? imposing man yeah. with a big personality. And actually, proud to say he has a, an advanced degree from Barry University, one of the ICUF schools. So while he was a famous basketball player and yeah. movies and all he was going back to school he got a i believe he got a doctorate in education and uh you know, well, he so, calls orlando home yes yes and he made a stop and made sure she was okay yeah cool, cool guy good job shack well yeah, done yeah, good you're, you're a florida man story. i've got a great story about a florida woman uh the headline was florida woman gets job washing dishes at nursing home to be close to her husband and it just touched me. I, so I, I read deeper into it, and there's a quote in there, isolation can kill from the lady. Uh, her name's Mary Daniels, and I salute you, Mary Daniels. She's 57. She works days as a chief executive officer of a small company that helps people with health care bills. Mm-hmm. And at night, uh, it, 
Rose Castle Assisted Living Facility in Jacksonville. It's Rose Castle Assisted Living and Memory Care, actually. Uh, she works a couple of three days a week on the night shift washing dishes because with the orders in place that you can't visit, right? And which is just, you know, having had somebody in those uh, facility, I just can't imagine the angst that goes, you know, the, yeah, the sorrow. Not me. She figured out a way. They offered her a job, actually. They knew of her, and they said, hey, you know, we've got this opening. You, what she does, she goes in, and at the dinner hour, she washes all the dishes, cleans stuff up, and then gets to spend a little bit of time, a couple of three nights a week with her husband. And I just thought, you know, how inventive that was and how wonderful. Uh, they were apart for 114 days, and uh, now she's also advocating for solutions to that problem so that other people that they can find an isolation room or some other way to enable these poor souls, uh, most of whom her, her husband is, uh, I think, 66. Uh, Steve, uh, he's a resident with early onset Alzheimer's. Uh, you know, he probably doesn't know she's not there, but he, he gets the comfort. And it's uh, depending on where he is and what stage. Uh, it's just a wonderful story. And that, that's a great Florida woman. Her name's Mary Daniels. Salute. Good on you. One big thing. Uh, just find it in your hearts to be n- nice and be kind and realize that, you know, we're in the, you know, there's best of times and the worst of times. And right now we're probably in both. I mean, you know, it's uh, we're somewhere we've never been before. But, you know, MLK said, uh, in the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. Let's be brothers. My one big big thing ties on to that. Just say thank you. A lot of you are really hurting as a result of this whole thing. And so I just want to say you're all essential workers. We all want you back working. And thank you. Thank you, Dr. Moore. Amen. Thank you. For Dr. Ed Moore, I'm Preston Scott. Thanks for joining us for All Things Florida. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.